I like reading articles from the view of the left. I always have, and I love reading them because you can actually take apart their language and see where they're coming from. I've decided to read one to you concerning the court packing, from, and this article comes from Vox.com. So I hope you enjoy it. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Okay, it was a relatively slow news weekend, so I was trying to figure out what to talk about today. So I thought we'd talk about the... Um, the court packing that Joe Biden has created a commission for and the left isn't thrilled about it. We'll talk about that. But first, uh, you would know that news would happen right at the end of the weekend. Apparently a black man, uh, well, he's kind of black. He's half black, uh, was shot in, uh, Minneapolis again. Uh, riots occurred. Now I, I would usually skip this, skip what I'm going to do today and go straight to that. But we know absolutely nothing. We don't know what happened. We don't know why it happened. We don't know whether the police officers were white or not. I mean, everyone's just kind of assuming. We don't know anything about the background of the guy who was shot. We know he had a criminal record, but we don't know if he was carrying a gun. We just don't know anything about it. So there's no point in really talking about it until we get some information. Um, So, Stand by for that. We'll probably talk a little bit more tomorrow. Apparently, arrest warrants are coming out now, and criminal records on the kid are coming out right now. He was a 20-year-old. But that's not stopping everybody from actually going in and, you know, raiding Walmart again. So the best way, I guess, to end racism is to go um, steal stuff from Walmart. But anyway, uh, last week on Friday... Joe Biden signed an executive uh, executive order that will give a 36-person person commission, will create a 36-person commission to analyze the benefits and pitfalls of adding justices to the Supreme Court. This commission is going to be bipartisan, supposedly, and will be made up of a bunch of legal scholars and political scientists. So far, Court packing has not been a real popular idea except for the radical left. Even Biden opposed it a few years ago. So did Barack Obama. So this was never a big thing. But that was a time when liberal justices actually did have the advantages in the courts. With Gorsuch, uh, Coney Barrett, and Kavanaugh, it has actually changed the makeup of the court. Though... um, Though they are textualists, so they are not 100% going one way or the other. Other people that were against court packing were Supreme Court Justices Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Stephen Breyer. Some, more of their, the liberal justices. I actually tried to find out whether or not uh, Sotomayor or um, Kagan did not believe in court packing, but that never came up. Um, Many of the leftist news outlets believe that trying to pack the court is a fool's errand, um, and the point of trying to pack the court is going to end up like FDR tried to do it back in 1937 when he implemented the New Deal, which was an absolute disaster for him. He, He never got it done. But Biden and his leftist advisors know that a lot of his far-left radical policies are are going to get challenged, especially when trying to reintroduce Obamacare 
and gun control. They also have this illogical fear of Roe versus Wade being overturned, which I I don't... We've talked about that in the past. I'm not going to get into that because I don't think the overturning of Roe versus Wade really does that much. But... And it's such a crappy law. Yeah, they should fear it's going to be overturned. So let's take a look at a Vox article called Biden's New Supreme Court Commission Won't Fix Anything by Ian Milsner. You'll notice when I read these articles from Vox, they really are very original with their um, with their titles of their articles. As a matter of fact, I could probably just give you the, give you the title and you pretty much know what's happening. But this is a really interesting article from the far left Vox. Uh, I can, t- um, they are definitely biased for court packing, but this, this author doesn't think that anything is going to come about it. Now I like reading this stuff to you because I can tell you normally when I read leftist articles, it infuriate infuriates me because these guys really don't seem to know what they're talking about and they lie. And it's important because it does strengthen my position on what I think when I read these articles. Wait till we get into Ibram X. Kendi's uh, How Not to Be an Anti-Racist, because I just had to read the introduction of the book. And when I read the introduction and he's basing things on lies right off the introduction, you've already invalidated the book to me. So, So let's start. In 2014, Judge Thomas Griffith authored an opinion in Halbig versus Burwell that could have wrecked Obamacare's insurance insurance markets in over 30 states and potentially stripped health care coverage from millions of Americans. Griffith's court eventually vacated his ruling against Obamacare, and the Supreme Court rejected Griffith's reasoning in King versus Burwell, 2015. But not before Halbig decision plunged the Obama administration, health care advocates, and patients into a year of terror that Obamacare would be gutted. I do want to point out that Obamacare was seen as unconstitutional by the court because of the mandate. Now, the mandate made it that you had to have health insurance, and if you didn't have health insurance, you had to pay a fine. This is unconstitutional because the federal government can't force someone to buy something they, they don't want and then fine them if they don't. Chief Justice Roberts, who is hardly a conservative, decided to call the fine a tax, which made it uh, constitutional. Obama actually called it a fine, so I'm not sure what the hell Roberts was thinking of. Uh, It was a very odd decision. And by the way, stripping um, millions of people from their health care and assault on health care uh, first off, there were five five million people who actually had Obamacare at the time. It was not even paying for itself. So for people to sit back and say, oh my God, 30 million people. No, that's not what happened. Nobody wanted health care. And Obama really screwed it up himself. Remember the website that couldn't get working? So it's, it's, it's crap. But I do want to point out the language. Uh, plunge the Obama administration into a year of terror. I mean, it's like this attack. It's its an attack. Listen to the language, because the language is pretty important in these articles. Okay, let's continue. On Friday, President Joe Biden announced that he would sign an executive order creating a presidential commission on the Supreme Court of the United States. Griffith, who retired from federal bench in 2020, allowing former President Trump 
to choose his successor, is one of several prominent conservatives on this commission, which the White House says Biden appointed, quote, to provide an analysis of the principal arguments in the con contemporary public debate for and against the Supreme Court reform. Yet while the author of one of the most significant attacks on Obamacare in the last decade is on Biden's commission, none of the leading academic proponents of the Supreme Court reform were appointed. Uh, the overwhelming majority of the commission's three dozen members are law professors of political science. Scientists. Again, significant attacks on Obamacare. Now, you'll if you, you listen to a lot of folks like Dan Bongino, um, uh, Ben Shapiro, they always say that Republicans and conservatives always attack, they always pounce, you know, they're always striking terror. So, that's what it is. Also, if this is true, that Biden actually does have conservatives on this commission, that'll be the first unifying thing that Biden has actually done. I'm not sure how true it is, but we'll talk a little bit later why I think it might be true. Continuing, Biden initially said in October he would convene a commission of leading academics to study possible reforms to the court. At the time, Biden was torn between liberal activists who were who were enraged by Senate Republicans' effort to ensure that the GOP could control the Supreme Court and Republican critics who accused Democrats of wanting to add seats to the Supreme Court in order to undo those efforts by the GOP. Now, you notice it's the efforts, effort. It's always the GOP that's going in to wreck things. So they're trying to do something good by packing the court. We're going to get into that. There's more to that later. Um, this also annoys me. The Supreme Court is not supposed to be partisan in either way. It's supposed to read the Constitution and make a determination based on the words of the Constitution. Period. That's it. The Supreme Court doesn't undo anything. It determines if something is legal or not. And, and this is something that just, just drives me crazy. It, the Supreme Court is not a legislative branch. That's the legis That's the legislative. That's Congress. And it's the president. It ha the president isn't even a legislative branch. He only s says what we should do with a law. But they keep saying, they keep trying to make the Supreme Court into something that it's not. Let's continue. Rather than take a position on whether to add seats to the Supreme Court, Biden ultimately punted the question until after the election with his promise to appoint the commission. Now he has appointed such a commission and, measured solely by its intellectual firepower, the names on the commission are impressive. They include some nations, some of the nation's most prominent legal academics, such as Yale Law School Dean Heather Gerken and Harvard's Lawrence Tribe. But the commission does not include uh, law professors Daniel Epps and Ganesh Sitratnaman, I think, it's, I'm sorry if I pronounced it wrong, authors of highly influential proposal proposal to expand the Supreme Court to 15 justices and have the key members of the court be chosen by a bipartisan process that is intended to make the court less ideological. And it does not include Aaron Belkin, a political science professor and leader of Take Back the Court, a pro-reform organization. In choosing members of the commission, the White House appears to have prioritized bipartisanship and star power within the legal academy over choosing people that have actually spent meaningful amounts of time advocating for Supreme Court reforms. Okay, this is just a lie. 
Uh, Epps and Citrotman believed that upping the number of justice is necessary because, quote, without radical reforms to save its legitimacy, the court may never recover its transformation into a nakedly partisan institution. In other words, they see textualists as radical and activist justices, such as Sotomayor and Kagan, as nonpartisan. They also believe they, in other words, they think in order to make it nonpartisan, they need to make it partisan. See what I'm, where I'm getting at here. It's a, it's a double-edged sword here. So they want to add activist just, justices to make it nonpartisan. Yet when you have textualist judges, which are judges that just read the, the Constitution and say, is it part of the Constitution or is it not part of the Constitution? They sit back and they base it on, they base they base them as radicals and all they're doing is reading it so this is this is insane they also believe that the uh, supreme court should be chosen by the senate by senators not the president by the way um th- and this is a textualist view of the constitution in the constitution it says the president shall choose supreme court justices so that is unconstitutional it is that radical. You actually have to change the wording of the Constitution by adding an amendment for that to happen. The f- the writer fails to bring all this up in defining why these people are actually not on the panel. Okay, let me continue. When the White House released the list of commission members on Friday, it swiftly won praise from members of the Conservative Federalist Society. Well, that's a good thing, isn't it? Even Evan Burnick, a right libertarian law professor of Georgetown praised the commission as a, quote, powerhouse lineup of scholars, end quote. Stephen Sachs, a Duke law professor who won the Federalist Society's Joseph Story Award in 2020, called the commission, quote, an astonishingly well-balanced list. Ilya Soman, a libertarian law professor from George Mason University, wrote shortly after the commission's membership was announced that, Quote, the composition of the commission is also bad news for advocates of court backing, who may have hoped that it will produce a report endorsing the idea, end quote. So, if the White House goal was to ally, ally concerns among conservatives that President Biden might try to diminish the Republican Party's influence over the judiciary, this commission appears to have accomplished that goal. He doesn't ask the simple question here. Is it true bipartisanship with Biden with Biden's condition a good thing especially since Joe Biden as has done nothing that could be bipartisan so far since becoming president there's a reason he doesn't ask that so he creates a true bipartisan permission a uh, uh, bipartisan commission and he and this guy Ian is pissed off because he created a bipartisan commission. He wanted a far leftist commission. So, how the second part of this article is how did we get to this point? Not long ago, the idea of adding additional seats to the Supreme Court in order to change its partisan makeup was considered very radical. President F. Franklin Delano Roosevelt proposed doing so in 1937 in order to neutralize a court that was frankly that frequently struck down New Deal programs on spurious legal grounds. They weren't that spurious, but his proposal was unpopular and ultimately went nowhere. Nowhere. The reason his New Deal was 
was destroyed by the Supreme Court, and I think it was pretty much unanimous, was because it was a socialist programs. It violated the Constitution. There was no question. It made the United States federal government get involved directly into business. An example of that is the National Recovery Act, or NRA, of 1933. That was struck down in 1935. They did not even waste time, and it was struck down unanimously. So this is an example of a Democrat trying to implement a radical policy trying to change the outlook of the Supreme Court so that it will agree with him. In other words, ad activist judges that aren't actually going to read or base their decisions on the Constitution. He doesn't mention the New Deal. Everyone hears the New Deal because it's FDR, and FDR is such a great man. FDR was not a great president. I'd say he, he was a decent wartime president, but he was not a great president. He extended the uh, uh, depression by about eight years because of his New Deal programs. He was a garbage president. So he never mentions this. Why did he want to pack the court? He wanted to pack the court because his Green New Deal, his New Deal, excuse me, was not constitutional. Okay, let's continue. Yet several crucial events happened in recent years that convinced many Democrats that the federal judiciary is unfairly stacked against them. In 2016, after Justice Antoine Scalia's death in February of that year, Senate Republicans refused to give, the conf uh, give a confirmation hearing to President Obama's nominee to the Supreme Court, now Attorney General Garrett Merrick Garland. At the time, Republicans claimed that it was inappropriate to confirm a Supreme Court nominee in a presidential election year. You know, I'll agree with him here. Um, they shouldn't have said that. Mitch McConnell should have just sat there and said, no, we don't want to. He's not going to get confirmed. We'll wait till the new president comes out. That's what he should have said. He's not going to get confirmed. They, they had almost 60 senators at the time. He's not, he's not going to get confirmed. So why in God's name did he not just say that? Anyway, continuing. But then Ruth Bader Ginsburg died in September of 2020, and Republicans immediately abandoned that position that um, they invented that position they invented in order to justify scuttling Garland's nomination. Trump's nominee, Justice Amy Coney Barrett, was confirmed just eight days before the 2020 election, which threw Trump out of office. I like that language there. They threw him out of office. Anyway, in the interim between Garland's unsuccessful nomination and Barrett's successful one, Democrats endured two other significant traumas. Traumas. Poor Democrats had to endure trauma. The first was that Trump became president, despite receiving nearly three million fewer votes than Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton. Republicans also controlled the Senate for the entirety of Trump's presidency, but they only controlled the Senate thanks to malappropriationment. The Democratic minority in the Senate represented millions more Americans than the Republican majority during Trump's presidency. We talked about this before. I, this guy just doesn't like the Electoral College, and he doesn't like the Democratic Republic type of government. Because the court may not be of liberals, it means that the court is fairly stacked. Now, when the court was run by liberals, which it was just five years ago, six years ago, they had no problem with it. It was a nonpartisan court. When you have textualists put on the court, and suddenly it's a partisan court. Okay, I'm going to keep pointing that out. Uh, what Mitch McConnell did was 
just wrong. I, I don't think he should have done that. I think he should have just basically said that we've got a, again, we've got a Republican Senate. Nobody wants this guy. We're not going to confirm him. So let's just get to that. We'll wait till the next president comes. The next president happens to be Hillary Clinton. Well, then we'll approve her nominee. That's that's it. And that's that's always happened. They should have just said that. And by the way, what McConnell and the Senate did, they've done dozens of times before. There's been all the time when a president and the Senate are of opposite parties, the Senate won't confirm his his uh, nominee, especially in the last year. This is just not something that never happened before. I mean, it's always happened. And this is fun. This is the fun one. The Senate that represents the Senate may represent less citizens than um, than it is supposed to. So, for example, what he's saying is California, which has a ton of people, has the same number of senators as Wyoming. Well, yeah, that's how that's what the Senate is supposed to be. It's supposed to be completely open. It's each state is supposed to have its representation and they're all supposed to be equal in the Senate. The House is different. California has a ton of representatives in the House of Representatives, whereas Wyoming has like three. That's because it's based off population. They did this on purpose. By the way, that's in the Constitution. That's in the Federalist Papers. They talked about that, and they talked about it. They decided to do it uh, for a reason. The reason is because the House of Representatives is supposed to create law, actually create bills, pass bills, send it to the Senate, and then the Senate will go in and either approve the bill, and it's by by state, each state has equal representation, or make changes to the beer bill based on that state's uh, needs. That's how it's supposed to be done. Now, what's kind of changed, and they did talk about this, uh, actually, I think this is how it was done. In the old days, the Senate was actually, I believe this is how it worked, but in the old days, 17, 1800s, 1900s, they actually um, made it so that the state legislators picked their senators, not through, uh, not through popular vote. But to sit back and say, well, it's, they, don't, they don't represent the country. They're not supposed to represent the people. They're supposed to represent the state. This, the House of Representatives is supposed to represent the people. That is in the Federalist Papers. That is in the Constitution. Um, I, but this guy not knowing the Constitution, not knowing what the Founding Fathers meant, really makes you wonder how this guy got a job writing. I mean, he doesn't know the basic law of the Constitution. Okay, let's continue. Indeed, all three of Trump's Supreme Court appointees were nominated by a president who lost the popular vote and conformed, confirmed by a block of senators who represent less than half the country. He's going to keep beating this dead horse. Okay, we have an electoral college and the Senate has to confirm. The Senate actually doesn't have control there. They really don't have control there. The Senate, once the houses certif once the states certify the elections, the senators go out and they, they say we sort of they can challenge the certification, but they can't stop the certification. By the way, what I find ironic is when Trump lost the election and a couple of people legally 
decided to challenge the results of the election. And guess what happened? Trump still lost the election. what he's saying is that they were saying this was bad. These people were, were insurrectionists and blah, blah, blah. But he's saying right here that the Senate didn't have the guts and it was the populations of the states that weren't represented to actually go in and stop Trump from becoming president. I find that a little bit ironic. Continuing, the second trauma was the confirmation of Justice Brett Kavanaugh, who was credibly accused of attempting to rape uh, Dr. Christine Blasey Ford, while well, Kavanaugh and Ford were both in high school. It's just so stupid. Kavanaugh responded to these allegations by an angry rant, there's the language, before the Senate Judiciary Committee, in which he seemed to threaten retaliation, retaliation against Democrats for repeating the allegations against him. Quote, what goes around comes around, end quote. Kavanaugh told the committee. Okay, newsflash. Um, The accusations against Brett Kavanaugh were not credible. They never were credible. I don't know why they keep saying this was credible. Why Kavanaugh was defending himself is considered a rant? I don't know. He was pissed at having his life basically destroyed by Democrats and some Democratic leftist operative in Christine Blasey Ford. And he, he was pissed. He deserved it. He deserved to be pissed. And he deserved to go off. And by the way, Kavanaugh's statement wasn't a threat. It was a warning. And he explained that warning is going to be, you're going to have a hard time getting Supreme Court justices because this is all going to come back. This is all going to be a problem in the future. So, and, and hey, newsflash, those Democratic lawmakers that were making these accusations not innocent human beings. I hate when people misrepresent lies for fact. And this is what this guy does through this article. It makes their evaluations null and void. And it just sits back, makes me feel better about my positions. And this is what this guy is doing. His language is manipulative and he's just lying about the facts. When we get to Ibram X. Kendi's book, like I said earlier in the beginning, we're going to talk about this because Ibram X. Kendi's 300-page book on how to be an anti-racist was invalidated in one paragraph in his introduction simply because he misrepresents facts and flat-out lies. And it, it for me, I'm done with the book. I Well, I'm reading the book. I'm finishing the book. But I'm done with the book because it is based on a lie. Let's continue. All of... All of this contributed to a sense among Democrats that courts have become too partisan and led many prominent Democrats to conclude the radical action was necessary to prevent a GOP-led Supreme Court from dismantling voting rights and otherwise entrenching Republican power. Here's the problem. Uh, Republicans don't have the power now. The Supreme Court is, it may be partisan towards conservatives, but it was also partisan toward liberals five years ago, and they didn't seem to have a problem with it. I guess when Republicans do it, it's partisan. When Democrats do it, it's nonpartisan. That's basically what we're saying. Hey, Sotomayor, Kagan, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg, not conservative judges. I mean, Roe versus Wade was not made up by a conservative judge. Judges. Roe versus Wade happened 50 years, almost 60 years ago. And you cannot say that was a conservative ruling. Obamacare, when the, the mandate was approved by the Supreme Court, and gay marriage, 
not not conservative courts, but they're nonpartisan. Meanwhile, someone says, well, Roe versus Wade was a crappy law, which it was, and they say suddenly, okay, uh, we're going to overturn it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's partisan. All right, whatever. Yet when candidate Biden was asked about whether he'd support radical reforms, such as adding seats to the Supreme Court, he initially said he opposed these reforms. After Ginsburg's death, he took a more agnostic stance. No, he took a more radical stance, not agnostic. Saying that while he's not a fan of court packing, his approach to the issue would depend on how Barrett, the Barrett confirmation fight played out. Now that Barrett's been confirmed, however, Biden appeared to be signaling with his new commission that significant reforms reforms to the Supreme Court will not be will not be on the table. Biden doesn't want to pack the Supreme Court. It is extremely radical, and he's conflicted about it. His policies may, but his policies may not get through if it's play if. Some one of some of them go in front of the Supreme Court because they are unconstitutional. Voting rights is unconstitutional. Gun reform is unconstitutional. All this stuff that he's doing is unconstitution, unconstitutional. So you only you can only get this stuff through the Supreme Court unless you pack it and make it into an activist court, which, by the way, is nonpartisan. Well, okay. Next, last section, actually, it's the conclusion. Why a milquetoast Supreme Court matters. Court packing is not something that anyone should do lightly. If Democrats, the media's just been screaming, just pack, pack, pack the court. They've been talking about this since day one. So I don't want to hear that. If Democrats did add seats to the Supreme Court in order to change the partisan balance, that's the first time he was honest in this article, change the partisan balance from uh, conservative to liberal or from, in my case, from textualist to um, activist. The result most likely would not be a widespread acceptance of the newly liberal court decisions. It would be a massive resistance by Republicans. No, a massive resistance by Republicans. There it is again. How about this? Um, People might look at the court and say, okay, yeah, you guys just packed the court, and now you've made it partisan so you can get your crap through. And by the way, I think a lot of this stuff, th- little things like, um, little things like, gay marriage, uh, being able to give a ten-year-old a sex change operation, those things. I have a feeling it's not just Republicans; it's most people would say, "No, we're not going to go for that." As Justice Breyer recently warned during a lecture at Harvard Law School, "Quote structural alteration." of the court, motivated by the perception of political influence, end quote, will erode trust in the court's decisions. And now the left, by the way, the left wants Breyer to resign now or retire because he went against the leftist narrative of we should pack the Supreme Court. And he is, he's not a leftist judge, he's a bit of an activist judge, but he's definitely, uh, he's definitely a liberal judge. Continuing, Yet while Breyer is correct to warn of significant reforms to the Supreme Court are likely to undermine the court's legitimacy, the mere threat of court packing can serve an important function. If the justices believe the President Biden may send them six new colleagues if the court dismantles what remains of the Voting Rights Act, then those justices may be less likely to dismantle the Voting Rights Act. Wait a minute, huh? 
is he saying that the good news is Biden is kind of threatening the court to go along with his policies or else? Is he actually attempting to manipulate the court? Isn't that making the court partisan? <sighs> A healthy fear of Democratic majority could lead the Supreme Court to become less partisan. Um, if he is threatening the court to do what he wants, that's not making the court less partisan. That's making the court partisan in his... I It just... This is such... A terrible article. The language is so bad here. Uh, oh well, because they're textualists, they're partisan. They're partisan. Well, we'll make them left, left, less partisan by threatening them or packing the court. You know, we're just making them partisan the other way. I, I do want to beat. I'm saying that over and over because I want to beat in it that the leftist that the leftist narrative is: if you are against us, you're partisan. If you're with us, you're nonpartisan. I just want to point that out. That's the big goal here. So, and he's got a conclusion. So, well, no, I'll read the conclusion. But Biden's new commission sends the opposite message. With so many prominent members of the federal society praising the commission's right out of the gate, it's clear conservatives do not feel threatened by this commission. I, I, I do feel threatened. I'm sorry, that's just a lie. And the justices themselves are just as capable of looking at the list of names that Biden picked and seeing that this commission is unlikely to support significant reforms. You know what? I don't want a Supreme Court justice looking at that list. Supreme Court justice shouldn't care. That's not their job to care. So I don't think uh, packing the Supreme Court is going to happen. Here's why. Biden's lukewarm on the subject. Uh, he didn't believe in it before, and I'm not so sure he thinks... He believes in it now. And it could also be a huge fail like it was with FDR. Uh, if Biden did select a nonpartisan committee, there's a good chance that reasonable minds are going to prevail and this won't happen. It'll just be a lot of talk. Four to five months is a long time to, to debate this. And mind you, it's 120 days, which is four months just to have the commission, and then it, you're, you're going to figure a month or two to actually create the report. By the time the conference is done and the report is written and out, we'll be at the start of the 2022 election cycle. Unlike Biden, Democrats on the election trail are going to have to explain this. Another reason, Joe Biden, Biden might have a moment of clarity from his dementia and realize how dangerous and stupid this idea is. I think the leftist Democrats are beginning to take some heat and realizing their stuff isn't popular. Biden seems to be realizing this now. The border issue, the spending, the tax increases, the global corporate tax crap, which we haven't talked about yet, the love of other countries and the kowtowing to other countries like Iran and China, the changes to our military policy, the continued lockdowns with covid with even though COVID is waning, the whole trans thing, the equity thing, the race thing, the voting reform, and the heavy gun control restrictions, this crap is really extreme. And I don't think people are going to like it. And I think that Biden may have to step back a little bit. I think he's going to end up, polls are not going to, and the polls, I, I, I don't know how connected Biden is with the world today. But this isn't a good thing. And I think he's going to have to really be careful. Um, listen, the Supreme Court shouldn't be expanded because it makes the Supreme Court partisan. 
It makes the Supreme Court another legislative body instead of a judgmental body, a judicial body. Any decision will be made questioned. I don't think it's going to happen. And if it does, again, it'll never end. The second a Republican goes in there, hey, if it, we pump it to 9 to 15, that Republican will bump it from 15 to 21. Then the next guy will bump it from 21 to 29. If we bump it from 29, you'll have 400 Supreme Court justices. I mean, seriously, it will not end. So it is very dangerous. Okay, so you can uh, you can download or listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast Addict, Stitcher, YouTube, and Rumble. You can uh, visit my website at dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. I hope you guys have a great day. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics.